Another tranche of classified documents is found at Joe Biden's home. Biden's chief of staff takes the exit door, and we examine the growing evil of schools hiding the new gender identities of confused teens from their parents. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. All righty, so... Joe Biden, he's so responsible with classified documents. He'll tell you himself. So you recall that just last week he said that he has no regrets whatsoever in his handling of classified material. He's done an amazing job. Sure, they had found classified materials next to his throwback Corvette in his garage. Sure, they found a few more documents inside his home. And of course, they'd found some documents at the Penn Biden Center for Chinese Donations. But that was pretty much it. I mean, he did an okay job. I mean, it's not a big deal, right? Remember what Joe Biden said last week? He was doing fine, guys. It was all good. Here he was. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed, uh, were filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the Lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. He's reading it from a binder. There's no there there. There's nothing to find. Everything is absolutely hunky-dory. Now, at the time, this is already silly. Once you have classified documents in your possession in multiple places, this raises the question of whether you were careful enough under the statute with classified documents. This is not an intent crime. Now, I understand that James Comey entirely rewrote the law with Hillary Clinton to make it an intent crime. He suggested that basically, unless you had taken classified documents with the intent to expose them to foreign eyes, then there was no criminal matter at hand. It didn't matter even if you had taken the classified documents and put them in a place where foreign actors actually got a hold of them. That was still not a good enough excuse for prosecution. You remember, that's exactly what happened with Hillary. She took the documents. She put them on her private server. Comey admitted that these were probably accessed by foreign powers, but he said, you know what? She didn't mean to do that. She didn't mean to hand it over to the Russians or the Chinese or the Iranians. So no prosecution. But then Donald Trump took home a bunch of documents and everybody on the left immediately went back to the standard pre-Hillary Clinton. They were like, well, clearly, clearly he did something terribly evil. And we'll make up a motive. Maybe he was going to sell nuclear secrets to the Russians. And when it turns out that that wasn't the case as well, you know, it was very irresponsible. Remember that Joe Biden said this, right? He was super irresponsible. And the legal standard is irresponsibility. If you're irresponsible with classified documents, then you must pay the price. Well, the problem is that Joe Biden, sure, he's now, quote unquote, abiding by statute in turning over the documents once they have been found. Although, got to say, I'm suspicious as to why these documents were found now. This is a very serious question. The vice president of the United States has been in the Senate of the United States before that, since the 1970s. That dude has been in the U.S. government in positions of high elected power since well before I was born. So why now are we finding these documents? Why were his lawyers searching the documents? This was a real question. Again, the suggestion was that when the Penn Biden Center for Chinese Grift was closing down, the suggestion was that it was just basically like the interns in the closet who were going through the old papers and they found this classified stuff. One, isn't that a problem? I mean, they don't have classified approval. They don't have any sort of actual top security standard. Two, it wasn't actually interns who found it in the closet. It was lawyers, which raises the question. When you move, do you have your lawyers search your old boxes? Or do you typically have some schlub move your boxes or you move them yourself or you call your unfortunate friend on the weekend and force him to move the stuff? So if you are cleaning out Penn Biden Center for Chinese donations, why exactly are your lawyers going through that? And then why are they going through your garage? And then why are they going through your house? Uh, the real answer here, by the way, is that Joe Biden probably had his lawyers going through these documents knowing there were about to be a bunch of Republican investigations that were going to request some sort of perusal of all of his old documents. And they were going to find those. So he's like, okay, I'm going to activate my lawyers now, and they're going to go look through all of the documents. Okay, fine. All of this suggests, of course, that the standard that was applied to Donald Trump, which was, if you are messy with classified documents, then you should be prosecuted, was going to be thrown away as soon as it was Joe Biden on the other end of that stick. And that's precisely what seems to have happened. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free, like no strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last. So the rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost a thousand bucks a year. Plus, 
With PureTalk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make that switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch on over to my cell phone company. I've been using PureTalk myself for several years at this point. I can tell you the coverage is excellent. Go check them out right now. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Here. Just last week, Karine Jean-Pierre actually suggested that Joe Biden saying that there was no there there, which is, of course, a paraphrase of a Gertrude, St- Gertrude Stein statement about a major American city. There's no there there. And it, it's so dismissive. It's so silly. You can't simultaneously say you take classified documents very seriously and two, there's no there there. There is a there there. There are classified documents there. That is literally a there there. I, I don't know what else to say about that. He literally did the thing you're not supposed to do. You don't then get to declare that you're very serious about that thing. Yeah, that's exactly what Karine Jean-Pierre said. She said, it just shows how serious Joe Biden is that he's saying it's not very serious. Because he's also said he takes very seriously the handling of uh, classified documents. So I'm unclear what he means about no regret. So I'm not going to uh, comment further from what the president has said uh, yesterday. I think he... Uh, he laid out his thoughts. He was asked about it. He laid out his thoughts of whatever question he was asked. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get into specifics, or I'm not going to uh, go beyond what the president has said. But I will reiterate from here uh, that, uh, and basically what he said to 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 all of you many times at this point, that he does indeed take classified information and seriously. He does indeed take classified documents seriously. Uh, what? Uh, so uh, what? She is the world's most untalented press secretary. Well, as it turns out, over the weekend, they found even more documents. I know, I know, you're shocked, you're shocked. I, I thought that he was super careful about all of this sort of stuff. But as it turns out, he's not that careful with this sort of stuff. According to NBC News, six additional items, including documents with classified markings, were found in President Joe Biden's Delaware home after Justice Department officials searched the residence on Friday, according to the president's personal attorney. The search was prompted by the White House, not the Justice Department, according to a White House official and a source familiar with the matter. The documents at the Wilmington, Delaware home appear to be related to his time as vice president, as well as to his tenure in the United States Senate. Wait, hold up a second. His tenure in the United States Senate. So he he, he left his job in the White House in January of 2017, right? That's when the Obama administration ended. He left his job as senator in the United States Senate in 2009, um, it is now 2023, guys. That means that there he, he's had classified documents from his time in the Senate for 14 years, for four, minimum. It may be 50 years because he was pre- he, he was literally a senator for like three decades before that. He may have classified documents from the Reagan administration. This is a guy who says that he's really, really careful about classified documents. I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. So according to NBC News, the documents at those Wilmington, Delaware home They are related to his time in government. They were found after Biden's counsel offered full access to the premises as the department investigates his possession of classified material, Bob Bauer, Biden's personal attorney, said in a statement. Bauer said DOJ took possession of materials it deemed within the scope of its inquiry, including six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which were from the president's service in the Senate, some of which were from his tenure as vice president. He added the department had full access to Biden's home, including personally handwritten notes, files, papers, binders, memorabilia, to-do lists, schedules, and reminders going back decades. Apparently, investigators spent about 13 hours at the president's personal residence on Friday, according to White House officials and Biden's lawyer. It was a planned consensual search of the president's residence in Wilmington, Delaware. Biden, this would make, again, the, the third tranche of documents that we have now found, minimum, that contain classified materials. And apparently, the word Iran has been mentioned in here. Apparently, some of the classified materials included materials about Iran. By the way, it was the FBI that was actually pursuing this particular search, apparently. It was not just Biden's personal attorneys this time. The federal search of Biden's home while voluntary marks an escalation of the probe, according to CNN, into the president's handling of classified documents and will inevitably draw comparisons to his predecessor, former President Donald Trump, even if the FBI search of Trump's residence was conducted under different circumstances. So now we have the former president and the current president, both under FBI investigation for classified documents mishandling. Everything is going great. Only the finest people in positions of high power in this particular country. Meanwhile, the Justice Department, again, is announcing that they are involved in all of this and they are considering other locations, apparently. They're not done at this point. So they are, they've, they've checked the Penn Biden Center. They've checked his house. They've checked his garage. 
but there may be more locations that they actually have to check now. Because it turns out that Joe Biden apparently leaves classified documents like his son leaves cocaine-ridden laptops. Just like everywhere. Like on the Acela. In like a locked bathroom on the Acela. There's just classified documents now. Turns out that, that Joe Biden at the local ice cream shop, while he was eating Rocky Road, just left a classified document in the, in the garbage bin or something. It, it, is, it is incredible. Okay, so is he going to be prosecuted? Of course he's not going to be prosecuted. He's a special person. You're not a special person. If this were you, you'd get prosecuted, but he's a special person. So he will not be prosecuted. In fact, what is amusing is to watch the spin coming from Democrats and from the media on all of this. At least Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, he, he was at least honest enough to say, yeah, Biden has lost the high ground here. It's going to be very difficult for Biden to claim that, that he is morally superior to President Trump when the dude is apparently leaving classified documents like Hansel was leaving breadcrumbs through the forest. It's insane. Here we go. It's Senator Dick Durbin. Do you fear that because of that, the current president has kind of lost the high ground on this notion of classified information being where it shouldn't be? Well, of course. Uh, l- let's be honest about it. Uh, when that information is found, it diminishes uh, the stature of in- any person who is in possession of it because it's not supposed to happen. Uh, whether it was a, the fault of a staffer or an attorney, it makes no difference. The elected official bears ultimate responsibility. Wow, good, good, for, good for Dick Durbin. But Dick Durbin is actually being less of a partisan than CNN's Pamela Brown. Over the weekend, CNN's Pamela Brown asked a Republican congressperson about Trump versus Biden. She's like, well, you know the difference, don't you? You do, you do. You know the difference. Here we go. This, this inequality, this, this uh, hypocritical aspect, especially from President Biden having condemned so, Trump and then having done the same thing. Right. And he important. did. I mean, he did condemn it. And we have scrutinized that on this show that he said it was really irresponsible what Trump did. And now there have been approximately 20 classified documents found at various properties. And certainly he has been under scrutiny. But, you know, if you're being intellectually honest with yourself, the key difference here that Trump and his team defied a subpoena they said they had turned over everything and yet evidence developed through the course of the investigation that classified documents were being moved, which started this obstruction of justice investigation. Okay, but that's not a key difference with regard to the actual mistreatment of classified information. It may be a key difference with regard to an obstruction charge, but there are two separate charges for Trump that are apparently being considered. One is the obstruction of justice stuff. Was he trying to cover something up? And the second is the mishandling of classified material. And again, it's going to be very difficult to claim obstruction of justice when the underlying claim that misclassification of material or classification of material that was mishandled, that, that if there's no underlying crime, the obstruction becomes a lot less sanguine. So yeah, the media are going to try to spin Biden's way out of this. Bottom line is all of this is going to end up being thrown overboard. Trump is now off the hook thanks to Joe Biden and his complete inability not to apparently take classified documents home and just leave them in random places. And the best excuse for Joe Biden is that Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on around him on a daily basis. So it's not super shocking that he ended up with a bunch of classified documents pretty much everywhere. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and a premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like leaving your laptop open and unintended at the coffee shop table. Most of the time, totally fine. But what if you turn around one day and there's just some weird guy who's browsing your emails and it's Joe Biden? Well, every time you connect to an unencrypted network, In a coffee shop, a hotel, an airport, hackers on that same network can access your personal data. It doesn't take a genius to hack somebody. All you need is some cheap hardware. That is why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so hackers can't steal your data. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. I love ExpressVPN. It's so easy to use. You hit one button, it is now downloaded. You hit another button. It is now protecting you. It's that simple. It works on all your devices. You can stay secure on the go. Secure your online data today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get three extra months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. Also, you know, when you're traveling, when you're away from home, you need the Jace case because you just don't know. You're going to, you might get sick. You just, it's easy to get sick while you're traveling, for example. And if you don't have antibiotics with you, it's a problem. Or let's say that you're home and some sort of emergency hits. Remember during COVID, at the very beginning, you couldn't even get toilet paper? Well, what if you need the antibiotic because, you know, something happens and you get sick? Well, this is where the Jace case comes in. You need to be prepared for anything. My new partners at Jace Medical are here to help. 
Jace Medical helps you get a long-term supply of prescription medication. Their mission is to empower you to be better medically prepared. A great way to start preparing is with that Jace case, a pack of five different courses of antibiotics it can use to treat a whole host of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. All you have to do is fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. From there, you can ask your physician treatment-related questions on an ongoing basis. It's really simple. Makes your life much easier. The Jace case gives me peace of mind knowing that my family will have what we need. If the worst happens, I want you to be prepared as well. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code BEN, and check out for 10 bucks off your order. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com, promo code BEN, jacemedical.com, promo code BEN. And meanwhile, the White House is emptying out. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, who spends all day on Twitter, just retweeting Ezra Klein, basically. He is now going to leave his job in the coming weeks, according to a person familiar with Klain's plans. This is according to the Associated Press. Klain's expected departure comes not long after the White House and Democrats had a better than expected showing in the November election. So it's a good time for him to step out because, I mean, if he sticks around for 2024, then he might be responsible for whatever comes next. But now he gets to leave on top and say he did a great job. The personnel change is a rarity for an administration that has had minimal turnover so far. No member of Biden's cabinet has yet stepped down. In stark contrast to Donald Trump's White House with frequent staff turmoil and other crises. Yes, there has been a lot of stability in the Biden administration, stability and crappiness. The person familiar with Klain's plans was not authorized to discuss the matter publicly and spoke on condition of anonymity to confirm the development, which was first reported by the New York Times. The White House did not return calls or emails seeking comment on Klain's expected exit. The replacement for Ron Klain, according to CNN, is likely to be Jeff Zentz. You'll recall that Jeff Zentz ran Joe Biden's COVID-19 response effort. He is a lockdown fanatic. The notion that, that Zenz is going to be some sort of moderating influence on the president of the United States is probably incorrect. According to CNN, the decision to pick Zenz surprised some internally, given there were differences in Biden's and Zenz's management style early on in the administration. But Biden was impressed with his job as COVID response coordinator when Zenz inherited what officials described as a largely dysfunctional effort by the Trump administration. By the way, largely dysfunctional effort by the Trump administration, bearing a vaccine, a plan for rollout, and a reopening. The... Biden administration then proceeded to botch all of those things, like every single one of them. Zeng is now is not viewed as a political operator, according to CNN, but his deep experience inside two administrations and his reputation for technocratic skill would likely serve as the assets at a time when both are viewed as critical for what Biden faces in the year ahead. He, uh, he handled the launch of healthcare.gov during the Obama administration. So just stellar success for, for Jeff Zeng, the guy who's responsible for the disastrous rollout of healthcare.gov and also responsible for the disastrous rollout of Joe Biden's COVID-19 policy. So uh, things have been going amazing over at the Biden administration. Prepare for a double down here. Remember, Jeff Zients, is, he's the guy who suggested basically that travel bans be maintained in the middle of 2021. It was July 2021. And the White House was still resisting lifting U.S. travel bans on a broad swath of foreign countries. And Zients was still claiming that we were in the middle of a pandemic and all the rest. So Expect more radical policy coming out of the administration. Now, meanwhile, Joe Biden is about to run headlong into a battle, largely with his own party, it sounds like. So there's been a lot of talk about the debt ceiling fight that is looming. Republicans, of course, have been suggesting that they want to hold firm in demanding some serious debt reduction from Joe Biden in response for in return for, for increasing the debt ceiling. Now, they should make clear exactly what their demands are. The reality, as I've said before, is the debt ceiling is going to be raised. We're not going to hit the debt ceiling and then leave it there indefinitely. It's not going to happen. The reason it's not going to happen is because it's too damaging political to the, politically to the party that is perceived as being an obstacle to raising the debt ceiling. Republicans have tried this repeatedly. They've always caved unless they make some very specific demands and those demands wrong foot the administration. That is the only way that they're going to be able to get away with not raising the debt ceiling and getting something in return. Now, that would be a smart move. They, they could do that. And it would be something, I assume, worthwhile. Will it make any sort of real systemic change? Probably not. The reality is that 85% of the American budget is mandatory spending. That'd be Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, SNAP assistance, military spending. Right? All of that falls under the mandatory spending bucket. And then you've got the discretionary spending stuff. And that's like 15% of the budget. So you might get some minor changes around the edges here. And sure, that'd be great. Save, save a little bit of money. Is that going to impact systemically the $31 trillion national debt? It will not. But can Republicans get a few wins here? They probably can. 
According to the Washington Post, top Republicans on Sunday blasted President Biden for refusing to negotiate a deal over the debt ceiling, renewing their threats to leverage the fiscally calamitous prospect of default to secure spending cuts from the White House. The party affirmed its political demands as Biden prepares to sit down with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in the coming days, even though the president has maintained he will not haggle over the need to address one of the country's most important fiscal obligations. The emerging and potentially catastrophic stalemate concerns the maximum amount the U.S. government can borrow to pay its existing bills. Congress must act to raise or suspend that cap, known as the debt limit, or risk pushing the United States into a recession with global implications, according to economists and administration officials. The country's debt now exceeds $31 trillion. Republicans have tried to pin the blame on Democrats as they pledge to seek steep reductions in federal spending this year. House Majority Leader Steve Scalise said you can't just increase the debt limit and let President Biden keep spending like he has done. Representative Nancy Mays, Republican of South Carolina, said Republicans had to seize on the debt ceiling because clearly the budget process is not working any longer. It's just these giant omnibus packages. Now, here's the thing. They actually do have an ally in Joe Manchin. So Manchin, obviously, is running for re-election in short order in West Virginia. He, like Kirsten Cinema, has been seen as a swing vote in the Senate. Cinema, as you'll recall, recently declared herself a political independent, no longer a member of the Democratic Party. Joe Biden is, uh, Joe Manchin is starting to reorient himself away from Joe Biden in expectation that he's running in an extremely red state. West Virginia went for Donald Trump in the last election cycle by some 30 points. So Joe Manchin could be an ally to Republicans in the effort to use the debt ceiling to exact some concessions from Joe Biden. Here is Joe Manchin saying, with regard to, for example, the classified documents scandal, that Joe Biden absolutely should have regrets. What are we nuts here? I think the special counsel will do a better job than the politicians and the political circus that is going to follow. President Biden said he had no regrets on how he handled this. Do you have any advice for him on how he should handle this? Oh, I think he should have a lot of regrets. Yeah, I would would think that. I said, whoever's responsible. I mean, if I hold people accountable and I use whether my chief of staff or my, you know, my uh, my staff Mm -hmm. that we're doing this and I'm looking at then I'm going to hold someone accountable, but basically the buck stops with me. Manchin, as I say, is probably looking at the possibility of starting a swing block with with Kirsten Sinema in the Senate of the United States. Now, you'll recall that this would have made a lot more of a difference if Republicans had not actually done so poorly in the United States senatorial election last time around. However, it would make a difference if Manchin and Sinema actually formed sort of their own block. That'd make a very large scale difference against Joe Biden. Manchin actually says he might not run as a Democrat next time. You run for office in 2024. You going to run as a Democrat? Chuck, I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do in 2024. I've got two years ahead of me now to do the best I can for the state and for my country. What are what's on the table? Is reelection on the table? Everything's on the table. Is running for governor on the table or no? No, I, I, okay. I've done that. That I, you've I, ruled out. I've done that. Yeah. So everything on the table. There's basically only one other thing: the presidency. Is that something you would do outside the Democratic Party? The only it? thing I can tell you is what I will do is whatever I can when I make my decision. What I think is the best that I can support and represent the people of West Virginia, but also be true to this country and the constitution of this country. Okay, so Manchin obviously is trying to reorient himself away from Joe Biden. That means he may join the Republicans in trying to exert some sort of pressure on Biden with regard to the debt ceiling. Okay, speaking of that, Senator Joe Manchin, he says that it would be a mistake for Joe Biden not to negotiate on the debt ceiling. He says, listen, we could come to some sort of deal here. Stop pretending that there's no deal to be cut at all, President Biden. Let's turn to the debt ceiling. The White House says that they want Congress to pass a clean debt ceiling increase. Um, No negotiations with Republicans at all. Is that a mistake? I think it's a mistake because we have to negotiate. This is a a democracy that we have. We have a two-party system, if you will. And we should be able to talk and find out where our differences are. And if they're irreconcilable, then you have to move on from there and let the people make their decisions. Manchin happens to be correct about this. It's always funny how the language becomes you're holding somebody hostage when a negotiation takes place that you just don't like. So the White House is Jared Bernstein, who's on the chief, uh, he, I believe he's the chief economic advisor to, to President Biden. He says the GOP can't hold the economy hostage over the debt. Well, doesn't it work both ways? Isn't Joe Biden holding the economy hostage over the debt? He's saying he literally will not negotiate on spending at all unless he's able to just raise the debt limit. So which side is being intransigent? The answer is both sides are being intransigent. Trying to pretend that one side is being intransigent and the other side is not is ridiculous. The difference is that Republicans are being intransigent in the interests of the future of the country by attempting to at least lower the $31 trillion debt. Joe Biden's like, I want to spend as much money as I want. And if you won't let me take out another credit card, well, then you're holding the country hostage. Here's Jerry Bernstein making that particular case. Why won't the White House initiate some conversations over the debt limit? 
Kevin McCarthy signed an increase uh, without any negotiations, without any conditions, three times under President Trump. So, so if no, they want to talk about fiscal responsibility, bring it on. If they want to uh, hold uh, uh, the economy hostage and threaten default, uh, uh, threaten a default to force cuts in Social Security and Medicare, nope, uh, he, he's not there for that. Okay, so I, I'm just confused for a second. You're telling me that the Republicans moved with Trump to raise the debt ceiling with and did it in clean fashion. And you're surprised that they're putting some sort of pressure on Joe Biden? Why? Wouldn't Democrats presumably do the same thing if they'd been in control of Congress while President Trump was president? Stop, stop pretending that, that this is about principle. It's not. Okay, what this is really about is that the Democrats constantly want to increase the amounts of money they are spending, no matter the consequences. They do have the help of the press in this. The New York Times ran a piece over the weekend titled How the U.S. Government Amassed $31 trillion in Debt. Their answer was tax cuts. Hey, guys, it's not the tax cuts. It's the spending. It's the spending. Pretending that allowing the American people to keep their own money is what contributes to the debt as opposed to, you know, spending money you don't have. That's ridiculous. This is like your parents give you a $20 allowance. You go and you spend $50. You're like, well, it's really my parents' fault for not giving me a $40 allowance. No, it's your fault for spending $50. I'm sorry. You can't pretend that your parents keeping their own money somehow alleviates your responsibility for spending within your means. Okay, the American people are not there to subsidize your, your drug-like spending habit over at the federal government. But according to the New York Times, that's exactly what they're there for. Most money actually, according to the New York Times, belongs fundamentally to the federal government, and they allow you to keep some every so often. So a tax cut is really the problem. According to the New York Times, quote, America's debt is now six times what it was at the start of the 21st century. It is the largest it has been compared with the size of the U.S. economy since World War II. It's projected to grow an average of about $1.3 trillion a year for the next decade. The United States hit its $31.4 trillion legal limit on borrowing this past week, putting Washington on the brink of another fiscal showdown. Republicans are refusing to raise that limit unless President Biden agrees to steep spending cuts, echoing a partisan standoff that has played out multiple times in the past two decades. But America's ballooning debt is the result of choices made by both Republicans and Democrats. Since 2000, politicians from both parties have made a habit of borrowing money to finance wars, tax cuts, expanded federal spending, care for baby boomers, and emergency measures to help the nation endure two debilitating recessions. There have been bipartisan tax cuts and bipartisan spending increases driving that growth, said Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget and perhaps the preeminent deficit hawk in Washington. It's not the simple story of Republicans cut taxes and Democrats grow spending. Actually, they all like to do all of it. Well, no, Republicans like to cut taxes and, and grow spending, and Democrats just like to grow the spending. They don't like to cut the taxes. Okay, so, again, Democrats don't want to raise the taxes to, like, Norwegian levels. They're not interested in the sort of Scandinavian tax program that Bernie Sanders has on tap. But pretending that this is about the tax cuts as opposed to the spending habit that both parties have engaged in for literally decades is really, really silly. And again, puts the onus on the American people to fund all of this when the onus really should be on the federal government to cut. Now, at a certain point, the American people are going to have to take responsibility for the fact that they keep saying that they want the spending cut and then they refuse to name exactly what kind of spending they wish to have cut. But a negotiation should take place and good for Joe Manchin and good for the Republicans for at least saying they want to do that. The question is, what concessions can they say that they will try to exact from President Biden? This is an opportunity to point out specific things they want Joe Biden to do. And then they should say to him, you're willing to sink the American economy because you won't cut X, Y, and Z, where X, Y, and Z are unpopular programs. That is the way that you do all of this. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to happy talk his way through what is an economic downturn. Joe Biden over the weekend says, our plan is working, guys. The plan is doing great. Well, that, that comes as a surprise to the 12,000 members of the Google team who were cut over the weekend. Now, two years in, it's clearer than ever that our plans work and we're building the economy from the bottom up and the middle out, not just the top down. I'm sorry, he's so boring. Everything he says is just a terrible bumper sticker. The bottom out and the middle in and the, and the top down and, the, and the, the outside in and inside out and uh, move it all about. Meanwhile, Larry Summers, the former Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, he points out the, the real problem here, which is that the Federal Reserve looks as though it is slowing its rate of interest rate increases. The, the idea here, presumably, is that, well, you know, the, those, those inflation rates are coming down. They're coming down fast. So they should be real careful about increasing those interest rates. And Larry Summers is like, guys, you are going to miss the target here. You're not going to be able to land the plane. You are going to increase the interest rates, but you're going to do so at too, too low a rate to actually curb the inflation. You're going to end up with stagflation again. Here's Larry Summers, who's the only person who happened to be right on this over the course of the last couple of years. Transitory factors have contributed to the declines that we have seen uh, in inflation. And as in many journeys, the last part of the journey 
is often the hardest. And that's true with respect to a return to uh, the inflation target. The greatest tragedy in this moment would be if central banks were to lurch away from a focus on assuring price stability prematurely and we were have to, we were to have to fight this battle twice he happens to be correct about this meanwhile the federal reserve is preparing to only increase those interest rates at a much lower rate according to the wall street journal Federal Reserve officials are preparing to slow interest rate increases for the second straight meeting and debate how much higher to raise them. After getting more confidence that inflation will ease further this year, they could begin deliberating at the January 31st, February 1st gathering how much more softening in labor demand spending and inflation they would need to see before pausing rate rises this spring. In recent public statements and interviews, Fed officials have said slowing the pace of rate increases to a more traditional quarter percentage point would give them more time to assess the impact of their increases so far as they determine where to stop. I have a feeling that um, if they take the current trends, as indicative of future trends, that is a large-scale mistake, as Larry Summers is suggesting. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you may have noticed we're experiencing a ton of global instability as primary season continues. How are you protecting your family in the midst of all of this chaos and nonsense? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political, and economic upheaval, dating all the way back to biblical times. That, of course, would be gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out, balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Smart investors diversify. And when you look at the pace of inflation over the past several years, you can see financial instability is the new way of the world. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898 and talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, meanwhile, it's kind of fascinating. Nancy Pelosi over the weekend recognized that um, Democrats basically lost the House because of crime. This happens to be correct. She's not wrong about all of this. She told the New York Times over the weekend in an interview with Maureen Dowd that one of the reasons that Democrats lost the House of Representatives is specifically because of the crime issue, which, again, look at the map, and that's true. Democrats lost a bunch of seats in New York they probably should not have lost. Dowd wrote about her sitting with Pelosi, quote, she believed that the Democrats could have held on to the House in November if top New York politicians had realized the key issue in that state was crime. That's not wrong. And Joe Biden's beginning to realize that also, is that moving forward, if Democrats continue to leave the crime issue on the table, they're going to pay the price. The problem is they're sort of boxed in. So over the weekend, Joe Biden, for example, told mayors, a group of mayors, they actually need more police, that defund the police is really, really stupid. Well, I'm, I'm glad he's saying it. I just wish he actually and his party actually believed it. And by the way, you know, when a cop turns off in a, in a domestic violence case or someone's on a stand on edge of a bridge, they don't need a cop. They need a, psycholo a psychologist with them. That's why we're putting more people. No, I'm serious. We're beginning to understand this all again. And a lot of you are applying for the money and using it for these mental health issues as well. You know, there are countless examples. When it comes to public safety, when it comes to public safety, we know the answer is not to defund the police. Okay. Now, notice that he's actually arguing in that clip. He says, don't defund the police. But the problem is he's boxed in by his own party. So he's saying, don't defund the police. And then he's saying, actually take all the money that you're using for the police and shift it over to mental health specialists. And then he's also saying, that the police are mistrained, that they're always shooting to, to kill as opposed to shooting to wound or something. You know why police are trained to shoot to kill? Because no one on planet Earth can do the Jack Bauer thing of being 200 yards away from somebody with a handgun and shooting them in the knee to incapacitate them. That's not real. But Joe Biden lives in fantasy land, and so do many Democrats on this sort of stuff. You know, when I was coming up as a kid, you know, cops were learned to, you know, required to learn to shoot to kill. Well, you ought to be able to shoot to stop. You know, everything shouldn't be an extreme. There's a, so the way we train police officers is changing. We, we should actually train them that they should, they should shoot people in the finger, in their trigger finger. And that way, if they hit them right in the trigger finger, then, then they, they won't be able to shoot anymore because they, they won't have a trigger finger. Or maybe they can shoot them right in the ear. Just like the tip of the ear, just a warning shot, bam, right in the ear. And nobody, then, the, then the cops will know that they're the bad guys. And that's how we can. Okay, guys, 
Maybe the reason that you did poorly in the last election because of crime is because you are bad on crime. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, if you are tired of the government playing games with your savings and your retirement plan, you need to get in touch with the experts at Birch Gold today. See, here's the thing. Gold has always been the most stable store of value, like throughout human history, across civilizations. You can own gold now in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit on gold. Then... Talk to one of their precious metal specialists. When you purchase from Birch Gold by January 31st, you'll get a signed copy of my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, which seems kind of like the Biden administration playbook these days, with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. You can trust Birch Gold to help protect your savings today. I bought gold because I was tired of my money being controlled solely by the folks over in Washington. I mean, they really do control the direction of the stock market these days. They control the future of your 401k. I wanted to diversify, so I got involved with the folks over at Birch Gold. If you want to be more like me, text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Get a signed copy of my book. That's Ben to 989898 today. Also, you may have noticed that the business climate has been rather bumpy for the past several years, from COVID to Biden inflation, and now to stagnation. Well, here's the thing. If you've spent a bunch of money on taxes and you could get some of that money back, why wouldn't you? You need to call up my friends over at Innovation Refunds. If your business has five or more employees and managed to survive COVID, it could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to 26 grand per employee. It's not a loan. There's no payback. It is a refund on your taxes. The challenge is how do you get your hands on it? How do you cut through that red tape and get your business the refund money? Head on over to GetRefunds.com. Their team of tax attorneys are already highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program. They've already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you as well. They do all the work, no charge up front. Simply share a percentage of the cash they get for you. Businesses of all types can qualify, including those who took PPP, nonprofits, even those who had increases in sales. Just head on over to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, Answer a few quick questions. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time. Don't miss out. Go to GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. Also, this month, we're celebrating the anniversary of one of the greatest moments in Daily Wire history. After months of us leading the legal battle against the federal government and a national do not comply campaign, the Supreme Court ruled in our favor and blocked the Biden administration's outrageous vax mandate. That mandate would have set an unbelievably dangerous precedent, would have given the unelected OSHA bureaucrats power over the personal medical decisions of American citizens. It was insane. The Supreme Court recognized it was a gross power grab and made the right decision. We're really proud to have led the charge in that fight. It cost us millions of dollars. We are fighting for our own employees and for you. Thousands of you joined the Daily Wire. Over a million Americans signed our petition against the mandates. To celebrate, we're offering 40% off our annual memberships with the code Do Not Comply. It means a lot to me because we did lead the fight on this one. We were the only major media company to lead the fight and to make sure our own employees got to make a decision about whether they wanted to vax or not. So celebrate one of the greatest moments in Daily Wire history with 40% off on your annual membership. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join the winning team as we continue to crush the left. Remember, do not comply for 40% off. Do not comply. So over the weekend, officials said that there was a gunman who killed 10 in California. There's a mass shooting over in Torrance. The suspect was found dead. Not before the mass shooting, obviously. According to the New York Times, the man sought in the late night slaying of 10 people at a ballroom dance studio in Monterey Park, California, was found dead on Sunday afternoon inside a van about 30 minutes away. According to authorities, ending a day-long manhunt across the Los Angeles region, officials offered no motive for the rampage. They said they believed that the gunman tried to carry out a second attack nearby. Again, this is just the latest example of serious, deadly violence in Los Angeles where they've had skyrocketing crime rates over the course of the last several years. The good news is, that the LAPD is now banning the thin blue blue line flag as an expression of solidarity with police officers who have been killed on the job. I I can't imagine why crime rates are spiraling out of control. Maybe it's because you have morons at the top of the police policy who are trying to mirror the perceptions of Joe Biden, who are trying to mirror the perception that it's the police, you know, they they, they keep doing this stuff that alienates people, like wearing uniforms and mourning dead cops. It's just the worst. I can't believe that they're doing that sort of stuff. If only they would stop mourning the dead cops, probably there would be fewer criminals. According to... Yahoo to others, the black and white American flag with a single blue stripe is a potent symbol of the ties between white right-wing extremism and American law enforcement. The tension between those irreconcilable interpretations spilled over in the LAPD this month when Chief Michael Moore ordered the flag, which was widely displayed in station lobbies around the city, to be removed from public view. Well, I mean, listen, as long as the cops have to fly a Pride Progress flag, I think that, that in the American way has been upheld. I mean, honestly, unless every police uniform is replaced with a YMCA logo, I think that pretty, how can we expect violence to go down? Along with banning the flag from station lobbies, Moore said his order includes patches on uniforms and bumper stickers on police vehicles. Violators could face discipline, a department spokesperson said on Thursday. In an department-wide email, 
Moore said the flag's original meaning of support for police had been overshadowed when it began appearing at rallies for the Proud Boys and other far-right extremist groups. Well, I mean, you could say the same about the American flag, which has appeared from right to left. I mean, but, but apparently, as long as some bad guy flies the flag, now cops have to be stopped from flying a flag that symbolizes honor for, for police officers who've been slain in the line of duty. He said, it's unfortunate that extremist groups have hijacked the use of the thin blue line flag to symbolize their undemocratic, racist, and bigoted views. Flags serve as powerful symbol, symbols with specific meanings. So, yeah, I'm sure that this is, um, it's a great way to fight crime. You guys are doing an amazing job. Just an amazing job. Speaking of doing an amazing job in terms of fighting crime, obviously things are going incredibly well over in Atlanta. Over the weekend, According to the New York Post, an angry crowd took to the streets of Atlanta on Saturday night, smashing windows, torching a police car in response to the death of a 26-year-old protester on Wednesday, reports said. By the way, when they say 26-year-old protester, they mean someone who shot at police. Atlanta Police Chief Darren Sherbaum told reporters multiple protesters were found with explosive devices on them. One of the devices was used to set an Atlanta police car on fire. So those would not be protesters. Those would be violent rioters. I- I've been to protests before. And see, the way that I can tell the difference between a protester and a, and a violent rioter is that protesters don't have a bomb on them. I know, it's subtle. It's a subtle thing. Protesters who hit the streets after calling for a night of rage by Antifa members were also seen throwing bricks at the Atlanta Police Department vehicles and smashing property, largely in black neighborhoods. They had a bunch of spoiled white rich kids throwing bricks through the windows of black businesses, you know, in the name of social justice and all. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp condemned the protesters' actions on Saturday night. He said violence and unlawful destruction of property are not acts of protest. They are crimes that will not be tolerated in Georgia and will be prosecuted fully. Apparently, the protests began peacefully marching in the city around 5 p.m. when some members then began smashing property. The mayhem came after a person named Manuel Esteban Pais Teran was shot and killed by Georgia State Patrol troopers who were trying to clear protesters camping near the site of the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center dubbed Cop City. So what exactly did Paez do? Um, he shot and wounded a police officer. And, and the media covered this as though a, a peaceful protester had been slain by the police, as always. Bad media coverage helps facilitate this sort of, of rioting. And then there were headlines that were coming out of Atlanta after half the city got burned, or at least after, after significant violence took place, suggesting that these were peaceful protests. It really is an amazing thing how the media will go out of its way to determine based on political causes whether, uh, whether something is a political protest or whether it is a violent act of rage. If it's a right-wing thing, then you have to ban every symbol associated with it, in- up to and including totally legit symbols like the thin blue line. But if it's Antifa burning down a city, you have to say that it's mostly peaceful. By the way, the footage from the Atlanta Antifa Night of Rage, uh, pretty ugly stuff, guys. It didn't go amazing over there. We now understand they're marching through the streets of downtown Atlanta. Courtney Francisco, our reporter, is there with them. Courtney, what's going on? Well, right now we're walking toward what we see here, Chase Bank, the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, police presence swarming downtown, but you can see fire are working to extinguish that right now. We've also seen windows broken out at what I believe was a hotel. And over here to my right, you can see officers are setting up some caution tape to rope this off. A bunch of people, by the way, were in fact charged for their crimes. Um, virtually all of them are white. I believe all of them actually are, are white. So just excellent job, as always, by, by the Antifa dopes, as well as the media that seems tempted always to cover for Antifa's violations in the name of presumably their political agenda. Okay, meanwhile, another continuation of a shocking story that, that was reported by Luke Rosiak last week. So Luke Rosiak, the investigative reporter here at Daily Wire last week, he reported on a shocking story of a 14-year-old who was found sexually assaulted and trafficked in Texas after she had fled her home. She ran away from home. She was 14 years old, claiming she was transgender. She ran to Maryland. She was then found with a pedophile and, or an alleged pedophile. And then instead of the state returning her to her parents, they said her parents, her adopted parents, her grandparents, that they, they apparently were not in line with her new gender identity. They called her a her. And so she couldn't be put back with them. So instead, they placed her in a Maryland foster home. She ran away and she ended up being sex trafficked in Texas. Well, now it turns out, where exactly did she come up with the idea that she was a boy in the first place? At school, of course. According to the Federalist, 
In August 2021, by concealing 18's newly asserted transgender identity from her parents, Virginia's Appomattox County High School participated in a chain of events that led to that girl falling into the hands of sexual predators not once but twice. When the FBI found Sage in Maryland, where she was victimized by a sexual predator, a judge refused to return her to her parents on the grounds they were abusing her and not affirming her as a male. Housed in the boys' quarters of a children's home away from her parents, she told her mother she was assaulted again. The girl soon fled, then was brutally sex trafficked again until her rescue in Texas by law enforcement. Apparently, Sage was essentially mainlined into all of this stuff in school. Sage is a slight, pretty 15-year-old girl with elfin features and an edgy style. Recently, reflecting back on her transgender identification, she told her mom, quote, I don't know who I was. I'm a totally different person now. I never was a boy. Everybody was doing it. I just wanted to have friends. So basically, her school apparently started socially transitioning her. They started calling her by a male name. School records indicate school staff were calling Sage by her chosen male name and pronouns and at her request concealing this from her parents. Sage recalls her school counselor telling her during her first week of school that since she identified as a male, she could use the boy's bathroom. School records also indicate bullying, although they don't capture the severity of what Sage eventually told her mom. Boys were following behind her in a group, touching her, threatening her with a knife, violence and rape, and even shoving her up against a hallway wall. On August 23rd, according to school notes, reports were received from students and teachers that Sage had used a boy's bathroom and encountered hostile boys there. The school counselor met with Sage the next day to direct her to use the nurse's bathroom for safety reasons. Again, the, the, they just they never actually contacted the parents. By the time they did contact the parents, Sage was basically gone. When you have educational institutions that are outright participating in the sexual indoctrination and destruction of children, our society has gone irredeemably awry. How bad is this particular situation? The situation is so bad that even the New York Times is beginning to notice this. I know that, that here's how it works in, in the world of transgender coverage. First, the transgender movement comes out with a statement that is just not true. A statement like, boys can be girls. Then somebody argues with it. Somebody says, that's not true. And then the media immediately label that person a bigot and a transphobe and a terrible person. And they say it's absolutely untrue. And if you oppose the original argument, then this must mean you want trans people to die or some such nonsense. Right? J.K. Rowling is a murderer, is the argument. Then about two years later, the New York Times reports the counter argument that was always correct. So now the New York Times, shockingly enough, is actually reporting that maybe schools should not be socially transitioning kids without making parents aware. Quote, Jessica Bradshaw found out that her 15-year-old identified as transgender at school after she glimpsed a homework assignment with an unfamiliar name scrawled at the top. When she asked about the name, the teenager acknowledged that at his request, teenage teachers and administrators at his high school in Southern California had for six months been letting him use the boy's bathroom and calling him by male pronouns. Mrs. Bradshaw was confused. Didn't the school need her permission or at least need to tell her? It did not, a counselor later explained, because the student did not want his parents to know. District and state policies instructed the school to respect his wishes. His. It's a girl. There was never any word from anyone to let us know that on paper and in the classroom, our daughter was our son, Mrs. Bradshaw said. The Bradshaws have been startled to find themselves at odds with the school over their right to know about and weigh in on such major developments in their child's life. A dispute that illustrates how school districts, which have long been a battleground in cultural conflicts over gender and sexuality, are now facing wrenching new tensions over how to accommodate transgender children. The Bradshaws accepted their teenager's new gender identity, but not without trepidation, especially after he asked for hormones and surgery to remove his breasts. Doctors had previously diagnosed him as being on the autism spectrum. The reason I read it that way is because one of the things that they found at the Tavistock Children's Clinic in Britain, which was just shut down, is that there's a wildly disproportionate number of, of autistic kids who had been mainlined into transgender ideology and then mutilated. Doctors had previously diagnosed him as being on the autism spectrum, as well as with ADD, PTSD and anxiety. He had struggled with loneliness during the pandemic and to his parents seemed not to know exactly who he was because he had repeatedly changed his name and sexual orientation. Given those complexities, Mrs. Bradshaw said she resented the fact the school had made her feel like a bad parent for wondering whether educators had put her teenager a minor on a path the school wasn't qualified to oversee. It felt like a, par a parenting stab in the back from the school system, she said. It should have been a decision we made as a family. The student, now 16, told the New York Times his school had provided him with a space to be himself he otherwise lacked. He had tried to come out to his parents before, he said, but they didn't take it seriously, which is why he asked his school for support. This is absurd. Schools have pointed to research that shows that inclusive policies benefit all students, which is why some education experts advise schools to use students' preferred names and pronouns. 
Educators have also said they feel bound by their own morality to affirm students' gender identities, especially in cases where students don't feel safe coming out at home. Wait, so why, why, are, educator, why, why are educators' sense of personal identity and morality the issue here? Who hired them to do this? Who allowed them to pervert children this way? There's no other arena of American life where you would allow a teacher to pervert a, a child this way. Seriously, a child comes to school and says, I'm a sex addict. Right? A child comes to school and says, I'm engaged in sex with an older person. That's immediately reported to police and or to parents. A child says, I want an aspirin, and that gets reported to parents. A child comes to school and says, I am a member of the opposite sex. And the teacher's like, well, my moral scruples say that it's my job to help socially transition the kid. The key line in this article from the New York Times, by the way, is this one. Many advocates for LGBTQ youth counter that parents should stop scapegoating schools and instead ask themselves why they don't believe their children. There's no legitimate room for debate, according to these advocates for LGBTQ youth. They are your surrogate parents. They're stealing your kids. And then they are pretending that they are the advocates of good. They said ensuring schools provide enough support for trans students is more crucial than ever, given the rise of legislation that blocks their access to bathrooms, school, sports, and gender-affirming care. Every state in the union needs to immediately pursue legislation that forces educators to let parents know what the hell is going on at these schools. This is perversion. It is a form of ideological grooming, at the very least. It is the destruction of children in the name of a perverse ideology. It is godless nonsense and logicless nonsense and reasonless nonsense. And it has serious, real consequences from every kid who's being indoctrinated into this crap to specific kids who end up sex trafficked in Texas because schools decided to lie to their parents in the first place. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the notion from the media that Israel is turning into a fascist country. It's absurd. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. This show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older. But no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20.